Hello to all of our listeners. My name is John Tomshek, and I'm here today with my good friend, Tyler O'Connell. What's up, everybody? Today, our show is going to be about an educational segment on post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD for short. PTSD can occur in all people of any ethnicity, nationality, or culture, and at any age. PTSD affects approximately 3.5% of U.S. adults every year, and an estimated 6 out of 100 people a year suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about how the United States public school system has slowly started to accommodate to people with disabilities over the years, but today we're going to be mainly focusing on post-traumatic stress disorder. So guys, let's start off with the ADA, which is Americans with Disabilities Act. On June 22, 1999, the United States Supreme Court held an Olmstead VLC Unjustified segregation of persons with disabilities constitutes discrimination and violation of Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. On June 22, 1999, the United States Supreme Court held an Olmstead VLC unjustified segregation of persons with disabilities constitutes discrimination and violation of Title II of the Americans with Disabilities Act. The court held that public entities must provide community-based services to persons with disabilities when such services are appropriate. The affected persons do not oppose community-based treatment, and community-based services can be easily accessed, taking into account the resources available to the public entity and the needs of others who are receiving disability services from the entity. On May 9, 1989, Senators Harkin and Durenberger and Representatives Colho and Fish jointly introduced the new ADA in the 101st Congress. All people involved in introducing the new ADA were representatives of the Democratic Party. So, some of the rights established through the ADA. Um, the ADA prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in several areas, including employment, transportation, public accommodations, communications, and access to state and local government programs and services. So, according to the ARC, which is more of like a blog website, uh, talked about Walmart and how Walmart can demonstrate that it truly is feasible for an employee to recruit, hire, and retain employees with disabilities as part of a company's overall commitment to diversity, and that the business benefits in many, in many ways by doing so. By working collaboratively with relevant government agencies, educational institutions, and nonprofit developmental disability services, employers can can build a robust pipeline of candidates with disabilities for all types of jobs. So we're also going to be talking about FAPE. Now, John, do you mind getting into that and what that is? Yeah, so the Section 504 regulation of the ADA requires a school district to provide a free, appropriate public education, or FAPE for short, to each qualified person with a disability who is in the school district's jurisdiction, regardless of the nature or severity of the person's disability. FAPE requires schools to provide special education to meet the unique needs of a child. So an important court case that goes along with FAPE, on March 22, 2017, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a unanimous decision in the Andrew F. v. Douglas County School District. In that case, the court interpreted the scope of the FAPE requirements in the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. The court overturned the Tenth Circuit's decision that Andrew, a child with autism, was only entitled to an educational program that was calculated to provide minimal education benefits. In rejecting the Tenth Circuit's reasoning, the Supreme Court determined that, to meet its substantive obligation under the IDEA, a school must offer an IEP that is reasonably calculated to enable a child to make progress appropriate in light of the child's circumstances. The court additionally emphasized 
the requirement that every child should have the chance to meet challenging objectives. The Andrew F. decision is important because it informs our efforts to improve academic outcomes for ch children with disabilities. To this end, the U.S. Department of Education is providing parents and other stakeholders information on the issues addressed in the Andrew F. And, in, and the impact of the court's decision on the implementation of the IDEA. Because the decision in Andrew F. clarified the scope of the IDEA's FAPE requirements, the Department Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative, Ser Rehabilitative Services is interested in receiving comments from families, teachers, administrators, and other stakeholders to assist us in identifying implementation questions and best practices. So as John was talking about FAPE, you guys probably heard him mention the IDEA. If you guys don't know what that is, the IDEA stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Now to get more in depth about that, start off, we'll start off with a court case. The Board of Education of the Hendrick Hudson Central School District v. Rowley decided in 1982 was the first IDEA case to reach the Supreme Court. In IDEA 2004, the federal regulations provide extensive direction on the procedures for identifying children with learning disabilities. These changes from previous regulations seek to facilitate more appropriate and timely identification of children with learning disabilities so that they can benefit from research-based interventions that have been shown to produce better achievement and behavioral outcomes. The IDEA ensures that children with disabilities have the opportunity to receive a free appropriate public education just like any other child. One safeguard of the IDEA is that a school must get consent from parents before providing services to kids. The reach of IDEA goes beyond traditional public schools. It includes public, magnet, and charter schools as well. The law also provides early inter intervention services to infants and toddlers up to the age of three. All right, so now that we have wrapped up these court cases, we are going to dive more in depth about PTSD and how that accommodates to these court cases and also how the public school system helps support kids with PTSD. So, John, if you want to start elaborating on PTSD. Yeah, so post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is a mental health disorder that some people develop after they experience or see a traumatic event. The traumatic event may be life-threatening, such as combat, a natural disaster, car accident, or sexual assault, but sometimes the event is not necessarily a dangerous one. For example, the sudden, unexpected death of a loved one can also, can also cause PTSD. Hmm. So how does it affect somebody? Psychologically, people with PTSD have intense, disturbing thoughts and feelings related to their, exper to related to their experience that last long after the traumatic event has ended. They may relive the event through flashbacks or nightmares. They may feel sadness, fear, or anger, and they may feel detached or estranged from other people. It can affect people physically. Um, people with PTSD may experience symptoms such as increased blood pressure and heart rate, fatigue, muscle tension, nausea, joint pain, headaches, back pain, or other types of pain. Many people with PTSD struggle with stress intolerance, mental confusion, memory loss, noise irritations, and difficulty with concentrating. So what are like some of the accommodations for people with PTSD? Like how, like how, how would they cope with those kind of things? Yeah, so there's many things um, that people can do. There are apps for anxiety and stress, counseling slash therapy, job restructuring, support animals. People can have electronic organizers now. They can hire job coaches. Hmm. 
uh, additional training time. You can download memory apps. You can also get cubicle doors or shields for if you're working at an office building, white noise machines, and also, if your boss is nice enough, flexible schedules. Mm. Um, to deal with concentration problems, there are alerting devices, apps that you can download, and alert of lighting. Wow. As I mentioned before, uh, PTSD uh, can be found in traumatic experiences such as combat experiences, and that ties into the United States military. Um, Quite a bit of our service members uh, and veterans struggle with PTSD, and I would like to touch base on one guy in particular, American Sniper. If you guys don't know who that is, his name is Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle was a United States Navy SEAL sniper. He served four tours in the Iraq War and was awarded several commendations for acts of heroism and meritorious service in combat. Kyle was known for being the deadliest sniper in U.S. history with over 150 confirmed kills. Although he is mainly remembered for his heroics and outstanding battlefield performances, he played a huge part in helping other, other veterans who struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder. Chris Kyle himself struggled with PTSD and found that helping others also helped benefit himself as well. Unfortunately, on February 2, 2013, Kyle and his friend Chad Littlefield were shot and killed by Eddie Ray Routh at the Rough Creek Ranch Lodge Resort shooting range in Erith County, Texas. Kyle and Chad were at the shooting range with Eddie in an attempt to help the fellow veteran overcome his struggles with PTSD. Although Chris Kyle is no longer here with us today, his book showed how dangerous PTSD is to not only individuals, but their families as well. Wow, that's an interesting story, Tyler. I had never heard of Chris Kyle before. Um, weren't you telling me earlier that you also have a member of the military in your family? Yeah, so actually my cousin Dalton Bailey, he's uh, 27 years old. He was in the United States Marine Corps and served two tours in Afghanistan. Uh, actually, I was able to... Um, talked to him a couple days ago and get him to kind of elaborate on PTSD for me and help me get a better understanding of it. Now, he wasn't able to go too in-depth of it because, you know, it's it's something he struggles with and something he's trying to overcome as well. So, you know, I was I respected his boundaries, but I was able to get this quote from him. He said, it would have been a hell of a lot easier to fall down over there and just not get back up. And then one other quote I was able to grab from him is, after more in-depth conversation with my cousin, I was more able to understand PTSD and more than anything gain respect for him as a person and other veterans who have served in our military and those serving right now. You know, it's PTSD is something that is not easy to overcome and it's it's almost like a roadblock in someone's life that, you know, just can't move away and uh, prohibit them from moving forward and coping with PTSD. Wow, those are some pretty intense quotes, Tyler. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to your cousin for taking the time, sitting down, giving us those quotes. And uh, to wrap up our section on PTSD and the military, I just wanted to say, on behalf of Tyler and I, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our non-active and active current service members. Um, but to transition us into another topic, not only it's not only military members in the United States that struggle with PTSD, there's a, lot, a wide variety of age groups that deal with it, and even some high, high school-level kids. Right, Tyler? Yeah, so uh, to get more in-depth about that, high school students, um, you know, a lot of kids deal with traumatic events that uh, they struggle with, with PTSD as well. Uh, for example, so let's say if a high school student was sexually assaulted or they uh, 
dealt with a severe loss of a loved one, you know, that can really take a toll on themselves and their mental health. And so luckily what schools do is they provide counselors to help with that, uh, counselors who have been specializing in helping students with those kind of circumstances their whole entire life. And uh, actually the ADA Act helps cover that and uh, help support the rights of those students. So it doesn't matter, you know, what race you are, how old you are, um, where you come from, anything like that. Your school is obligated to help you and help provide the amount of services you need, whether it's minimal or maximum amount of services, the school is obligated to help you and help overcome that problem. Yeah, so you can get PTSD from a wide variety of things pretty much at any age. You can get PTSD. If your parents go through a bad divorce, you can get PTSD. If you get in a car accident while you're young, you can get PTSD. And under all these laws that we already discussed earlier in the podcast, your rights are protected under them you're not like you don't have to have a serious disability for your school to provide you with the services that you need to be a successful learner so to wrap this thing up here you know it's john it's pretty cool to look back at uh you know the united states government and their history with um you know from one point they went to just not caring about people with disabilities and then you know the United States as a whole came together and realized that, you know, we really need to focus on these people and realize that they're, you know, more than just people with disabilities. They're humans and they deserve to be treated as just everyone else. And, you know, these laws really help protect that and help ensure that they are given the same and equal opportunity as everyone else. Yeah, uh, I know. It's a pretty great thing. You know, a lot of these people that struggle with PTSD are some of our country's heroes, some some people that have fought in wars for us, laid down their lives. And, you know, when people were coming back from these wars, um, World War II, for instance, in the 1940s, I remember my grandmother telling me that they called it shell shock back then because nobody really knew what it was. So it's great to see all these services and laws now that protects the rights of these people. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Big thanks to all those service members. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone listening to this podcast, tuning in and receiving this, what we hope is helpful information to those struggling. You know, this podcast could be for anyone, those struggling with PTSD, uh, those w- wanting to learn more about it because they have a relative or those, you know, who, are, who, who j- just want to inform themselves and learn about, you know, disabilities and, you know, the history behind all that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in particular. So, yeah, thank you again, John. Yep, thank you guys for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Yeah, you know what, John? It was a pleasure doing this with you. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was all mine. All righty.